COVID-19 has impacted every single one of our lives since March of 2020. We're going to talk to a guy today who has had to manage COVID-19 in a way that few of us have. You're listening to The Chuck Williams Show. You speak, we listen. Conversations connecting people. This is The Chuck Williams Show. Welcome back to another edition. We are quickly running out of 2021, and that's a good thing right now. Our guest is Scott Hill. Scott Hill is the CEO of Piedmont Columbus Regional, the largest hospital system in the city of Columbus with the Midtown Campus and the Northside Campus. And he's also the COO of the Piedmont Healthcare System, which is a statewide network of hospitals based in Atlanta that has 16 hospitals. Yeah, 16 hospitals. Been kind of um, serving in that point role for the pandemic response and um you know really it's it's a lot of coordination and um same way with with the folks here locally with my team it's just uh trying to work to meet a need that i don't think we could have ever anticipated or really maybe even properly prepared for but nonetheless we're here and we've been doing it for almost two years so um, i would say uh, locally and and statewide i'm you know healthcare workers in general have a lot to be proud of they do and Scott, no no introductions, no platitudes. Let's just start talking, and that's how you want to be with Scott. Scott is that is that kind of guy who's going to cut right to the chase, and I've known you now for nine years. You've just celebrated your ninth year here. I did, yeah. Um, um, back at the beginning of November, nine year anniversary. Really, the uh, October thirty first was my technical start date. So, when was the first time you heard the words coronavirus or COVID nineteen? Well, really, um, golly, that's a, coming out of the gate. It was probably in like December of 2019, right? Like there was a like thing going on in in China, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's just you know something happening overseas. Nothing we need to be worried about." And um, and then as we got into you know January of 2020, it, it was like, "Well, you know, there's a case in Seattle and." You know, is this something we need to be worried about? And you kind of work through the first couple months of the year, and it, it all of a sudden got really real really fast. You know, that's the part about COVID that I think as we sit here, what um, what are we now, nearly 18, 19 months into it, 20 months into it, as we're into this, we don't realize how real it got as quickly as it got. I mean, that yeah. what you just said really struck me. Yeah, it um, it was just it just happened right, and it was like all of a sudden a worldwide pandemic hit the United States, and it's like, what are we gonna do? Um, and that first wave was so much of uh, learning, literally day by day, minute by minute. Um, and then as you know, twenty twenty progressed, and and we got into you know the end of twenty twenty, and through the second wave of COVID, which was worse than the first wave. Um, you know, and into 21 and we got into the third wave of COVID, which was worse. You know, it just kept getting a little bit worse, um, honestly. And, it, you know, we, we were able to apply lessons learned. Um, and, and every response to every wave has been just a little bit different. But it, it happened fast. And, you know, you blink and here we sit almost two full years later, right? You know, you, 
we're looking, we're on the doorstep of a fifth wave. It's happening across parts of the country. Yeah. You're saying Columbus well, and I, Georgia. I think that fifth wave, Chuck, is mixed with Delta, too. So there are some areas of the country that never had a fourth surge, based on what I'm reading. Yeah. And and so it's it's kind of, no doubt that Omicron's here, right? I mean, the yeah. CDC just announced that uh, I think 73% of new cases are, 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 are Omicron. Um, and, you know, we're still dealing with Delta, too. Um, and so... I think that some of the areas that are really kind of getting punched in the nose right now are areas that we're dealing with a fourth surge, and now we got Omicron coming through, and there's a lot we don't know about the new variant and if it's going to drive hospitalizations or not. I think the reality is we do know that if you're vaccinated and boosted, you stand a really high chance of not having any severe illness at all, which is great. Um and, you know, but we don't have great vaccination rates across the country either. And uh, there's some folks that are willing to risk it. I think, unfortunately, that puts a strain on um, the healthcare industry as a whole, which is tough. It is. And, you know, you're talking about Omicron, and I mispronounce it on my Ufala. That was the one letter in the Greek alphabet I couldn't pronounce. I'm ready for Omega. I'm ready to get to the, <laughs> to get to the we, very end of this. Trust me, we all are. Um, how is Omicron different from the original version of the coronavirus? Well, I mean, if you go all the way back, I mean, I think really the, the comparator is Delta, really, because that was so contagious and, and, and just moved through the United States in, in such a rapid fashion. They're saying Omicron is even more transmissible and 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 contag well contagious infectious than 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 Delta, um, but you know there's still a lot that we're learning about it, and we're everybody's paying really close attention to um, South Africa and Britain right now because that seems to be the the two places that are having the most experience with Omicron, and um, trying to learn a lot from that and. Both, I think, Moderna and Pfizer have come out and said we, we feel really good about our vaccine. And, and if you're vaccinated and boosted, um, that hopefully, not hopefully, but, you know, studies show that you stand a pretty high chance of not having severe illness, which is good. I saw a friend post that yesterday said he felt good, pretty good about being on Team Moderna. I feel pretty good about being on Team Moderna. Yeah. I mean, you know, just based on what you're seeing. You know, you're talking about watching South Africa. One of the things I'm watching is the professional sports franchises because that was one of the the kind of canaries in the coal mine in March of 2020 mm -hmm. was, you know, I can still see that guy running out of the NBA locker room and shutting down an NBA basketball game, some doctor. Yeah. Um, and I've been talking to Les Snead. Les Snead is the general manager of the Los Angeles Rams. He's from Eufaula. And the Rams have had a serious outbreak in the last 10 days. Um, at one point, they had 35 of their 75 rostered taxi squad players. Yeah that were positive, most of it Omicron. And he said the thing about it was it was incredibly contagious, but it was much milder. Right. right. Does that – I mean, are you watching the sports teams too? Because the NHL is shut down. Well, I watch sports all the time, Chuck. Yeah. You know that. Yeah, I, yeah you me know. too. Um, me too. But, yeah, that it's interesting to, to watch. And that's where I think we're going to, to your point, see these lessons learned. Um, it's mild, but they're all professional athletes. Right. 
So there, I mean, let's let's talk. You can talk about that for a second. I mean, how many comorbidities you think the the athletes on the the LA Rams have? There's probably some, right? Don't get me wrong, but there's a few. There's a few big guys. There in the is. There's that, a, yeah, no doubt. But I mean, you know, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to minimize yeah. anything at all. But you know, they're professional athletes. I think that where where we on the healthcare side have to pay really close attention is how does Omicron affect someone who has two or three different comorbidities is immunocompromised and, and ultimately, you know, um, even, even vaccinated, right? Um, for me, fairly healthy person, vaccinated and boosted, I kind of like what I'm hearing from Pfizer and Moderna. That's great. But, you know, for someone who may, um, you know, have a few health conditions or, you know, has had cancer or, or something along those lines, you know, Omicron's, it's, we don't know yet. Those are the people that come through the doors of your ER and into your hospital, right? Daily. And Hourly, minutely. You know, I was in your ER Thursday night with my mom for a little while. And, uh, and I'll tell you this. I don't know how they do it. I mean, there were various people in various stages of pain. There was a 16-year-old gunshot victim mm-hmm. that came in while I was there. It's like how, I mean, I know your ER director is Jack Rogers, a guy who yep. I know well. Yep. Um, how do they do it? How do those guys do that on a daily basis? You know, and they've always dealt with the trauma, but we've got yeah. we've got a high homicide rate in Columbus this year. We're approaching, what, 70? Um, I mean, astronomical number. Yeah. Any of those, most of those gunshot wounds are coming into your in the well, I believe they all are. Um, you know, as the trauma center, it's something that we we do and are proud to do for the community. But I think at the end of the day, Chuck, when you're talking about anybody in healthcare, it's they're called to it. Uh, you know, I mean, and, and they are they're called to it. It's it's in their heart, and so you know they want to they want to help people get better. Um, and it is really difficult right now. Um, our our staff has uh, been through four waves of COVID at this point, and um, and you know, it's, it's, it's tiring. And, and then I think you, you kind of pile that on top of, you know, life um, and the way, frankly, some of our, you know, just the nation is right now from a standpoint of, uh, of what's going on politically. People are on edge. People are absolutely on edge. And, 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 and that is, there's a lack of patience. That's that I think um, our staff experiences that uh, there's, you see it in the grocery store. I had a, We were having a roundtable the other day, a CEO roundtable with me and some of our senior leaders sit just with a group of staff and have lunch. And one of our staff members said, you know, I bumped into somebody by accident at the grocery store the other day. And was you know, say, I'm so sorry. And they're like, what's wrong with you? What, you know, why, why'd you bump into me? And it's like, well, it was an accident, you know, like, I'm sorry. And, and I think you just see this, this lack of patience and, and, um, and just, People need to take a deep breath. It's hard. There's a lot of stress in the world. Um, and and the, the struggle on the healthcare side is people are already coming to you in their weakest moments. That, that no, Nobody really, like, runs to the hospital looking forward to it. You don't I, go to the ER just <laughs> to go to the you ER. You go to the you ER, there's a reason. I mean, we have happy moments, too. Don't get me wrong. We, 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 we birth a lot of babies. But but the, the, the vast majority of what we do is is take care of people in their weakest moments. 
And um, I believe in my heart that, that, you know, we have to respect everything that they're going through and, and we have to have the, the put the patient at the center mentality. Um, and, but our staff is, is really tired right now, um, but they've done such a great job. I mean, I can't say enough about how awesome everyone in the organization, how they've responded and how they've come together and just lifted each other up and, and, and recognized each in those tough moments. But, you know, it, it plays out um, in, in a lot of different ways. There's a lot of stress, and so we're just trying to do our best to make sure they're taken care of right now. You got 3,000 employees that work for you mm-hmm. here in Columbus, yes. roughly, ballpark figure. Um, y'all, Piedmont was the first system in the state of Georgia to mandate vaccines for its employees, first healthcare system. Require. We require vaccines. Require. Require. I, I like that word better. Requires better than mandate. That's, we require the flu shot. So, you know, it's a requirement to work. And, and, and I think that, um, as politicized as it's gotten and it has, and, and, I, and I will, you know, you know me, you've heard me say this before, both sides of the aisle have are using a public health crisis to their own advantage right now. And so, you know, I, I, does that I, does that piss you off? Uh, it you know, I think it, it concerns me. Um, in a lot of ways, yeah, and and, and, and I think I'm po- aggravated like everybody else. I think that there are a lot of people that um, see it and 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 call BS on it and and can see through it, um, and it's it's super frustrating. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we we know. I mean, uh, both the former president and the current sitting president both have gotten the vaccine and have gotten the booster. That, that's a fact. They've openly said it. But somehow or another, we're, it's still being used to everybody's own devices. And, as the and po- politi- it causes division. As the politicians hit this wall across the net, you know, I see the face of you and healthcare workers, um, first responders. I mean, there's a lot of people who are on in that middle ground that are kind of getting pushed and pulled in the political tug of this, right? everyone is I mean our entire country is and um, again that's where you know I think about if if folks could just start to use a little bit of common sense and and just better judgment and 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 figure out ways to work together to the benefit of all involved you know there was a um, there was a time in our in our country where we didn't have a problem doing that um, it seems to be more of a struggle now, and and I and I do believe the vast majority of, of Americans want to see um, the best for everyone involved, and 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 want to come together to do the right thing and and to stop you know the spread of this disease and to fight the pandemic in a logical, reasonable way. Those people that look for the middle ground are kind of dying. I mean, we're about to bury one this week, Senator Isis, mm-hmm. who was a clear middle ground guy, even though he was a principled Republican. Let me ask you a question. This is probably the hardest question I'm going to ask you. You ever thought about running for office? You ever thought about being a politician? No. You, I mean, you're practical. You're talking about common sense. You're talking about things that the people in, you know, You've got a hard right and a hard left, and they're going to be hard right and hard left. I want to believe there's at least 51% of people in the middle that are, you know, lean one way or lean the other, but they're willing to compromise. But we're hearing from the hard right and the hard left. Um, 
You may, you sound like you're in the middle. Well, I, I am. I, I mean, you know, I'm not going to get into what I, um, you know, which, and I wouldn't what, ask you which way I lean um, on, 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 on this podcast. Um, <laughs> but I think those that know me know um, and, and know that I, I believe a certain way. And I think at the end of the day, we have to lift people up. And, you know, we're called um, in that way to, to make sure um, that, uh, that we do the best for others. And, you know, Chuck, I, I will tell you one thing I am is I'm a Christian. And I, and I believe that um, we are called to love. Okay, and we are called to, um, you know, give of ourselves to others and to serve others. And so, you know, um, all those things being said, um, we just, you know, like I said, common sense and better judgment can win the day, you know, and you see it. The problem is you don't hear about it. You don't hear enough about it. But if you go to the right places, either on the Internet or follow the right, you know, whatever, people on Twitter or whatever, you know, the reality is, is it's out there. People are doing great stuff every day well, for each other. And we've seen that Christian charity here. People have been bringing meal after meal mm-hmm. after meal to your hospitals, to the doctor's offices. I mean, just straight up man helping fellow man. That's right. That's right. And, and, and other charities too, that aren't, that aren't Christian based. I mean, you know, you look at uh, what uh, um, BWP cares did. It's a law firm, right? I mean, they established a nonprofit and delivered a ton of meals in the churches and um, community groups. And, and, and that's just everybody coming together, right. And doing the right thing for each other. And that's out there right now in our country. Um, We don't hear about it though. And I think, you know, you need to help with that. I'm going to call you out, too, okay? You get to call me out. I'm calling you out. Okay. You need to help with that. Amen. I agree with you. What do you say to the community that has helped y'all, that has reached out and, you know, bought a meal for a healthcare worker or just called somebody that's a friend of theirs that's a nurse and said, how are you doing? Thank you. So simple um, and not enough. (laughs) I mean, we are grateful. Our staff is, is grateful they, they've needed to be lifted up those meals and, 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 you know, face masks and everything that's been given and donated. They, you know, the timing has always been really good. Um, and, and for our staff, it's made a difference. It's made a difference for them, you know, when it's already sometimes hard enough to sit down for five minutes to get something to eat, you know, you walk into your break room and somebody's delivered epic. I mean, you know, like who doesn't want to eat? You know, at a at a fancy hey. restaurant in town, right? You know, Thirteenth Street Barbecue. I mean, pretty yeah, good to and, me. and it's not just that restaurant; it's every restaurant. You know, I mean, like you said, the barbecue places, <laughs> and I, I can't get into naming them all, but it's, you know, when you walk in and there's a, just a, a box of food waiting for you from someplace that you would be like, man, that's you know, I'd go there to eat, right? And I mean, I mean, I'm like you, I'm I'm, I'm partial to the barbecue joints, but you know, all that being said, it's made a difference, and so. Thank you. So simple, um, and and but it's 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 the it's the it's the only way for people to. Re- I mean, you know, you have to say it and say it and say it. You know, they say sometimes you have to say something seven times before people, you know, believe it. Um, we're just so grateful. We really are, and our staff is too. And and it's meant it's meant the world of difference for them. And one of the cool things about it was it was a kill two birds with one stone kind of thing because when these meals were being, particularly at the height of it, and, you know, 
you know, March 2020 to the end of 2020, a lot of these restaurants were really struggling. They've oh, been yeah. shut down. Yeah. So you were, they were getting to sell product, even mm-hmm. at a reduced rate, but sell product. They were able to keep staff on, and then they were able to get meals to your people, St. Francis, to the doctor's oh, office. I mean, golly, every, every, every health care provider, doctor's offices, and the Department of Public Health. I mean, they went to everybody. It was really cool. I want Fire to sh- stations, first responders. Oh, everybody. I mean, it was just, it was it was beautiful to watch and cover. It really was. It's kind of reinforced your belief in humanity. I want to switch gears real quick, and I'm going to come back to COVID. But you were uniquely positioned as a CEO when COVID hit because you had been through a crisis situation as a manager. A lot of people don't know this, but you were the CEO of the hospital in Blacksburg, Virginia, when the Virginia Tech mass campus shooting happened. I was, yes. You've been CEO for how long when that happened? I've been CEO there for just over a year. Right out of year. What year did that happen? 2007. As you think back on that, you were the main hospital. Yeah, we were the we were the hospital in Blacksburg, which is uh, where Virginia Tech is. The Uni- Virginia Tech University is located in Blacksburg, Virginia, and we were the hospital in in Blacksburg. A school shooting, a mass shooting, has got to be something. It sends chills down the spine of everybody. But if you're a hospital CEO, a mass casualty event like that, what do you remember about that day, Scott? Um, the, you know what, the, what I remember the most about that day is the same thing that I think we have seen throughout this COVID pandemic response, which is staff laying it on the line and doing what they do best and, and doing it and making it look easy. And, and I will tell you, I'm not going to tell you there wasn't stress there. There was, you know, it was a a response to a, a, a mass shooting, but our staff just got it done. And they used their training, and they used their expertise, and 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 they they cared for every kid that came through that hospital. And I see the same thing now. I think the big difference between the two is, and 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 healthcare organizations are like this. Like we 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 train right for yep. these types of responses, and um, the, but the difference with COVID is, it, you know, um, when you have a, an event, right, a trauma or a shooting or something like that, you respond. Right. And then it then you then you can catch your breath. Well, COVID has been a marathon, not a sprint. Right. And so, you know, it just hasn't ever gone away. I mean, we have COVID patients in our hospital today, even though, you know, the the positivity rate across the state went down, I think, to the upper three percent. It's up above five percent now. Um, we still have we I can't remember. I don't think we've had zero COVID patients. Since, Since March, we 29th. got our first one. March 29th. I don't think I we've had zero. I at, remember the day at Piedmont Midtown. I mean, at our big hospital, we've not had zero since March of 2020. Yeah, I remember the 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 first COVID patient that came in. I, I think the first one went to St. Francis, but you know, in the COVID delineation, y'all have taken the bulk of the patients. I mean, St. Francis is clearly treated yeah. a large number, but y'all treated the bulk of Listen, them. Listen, everyone in the community has has um, worked so hard to respond, but we have had, we have, just by nature of, you know, being the regional kind of tertiary referral center at Piedmont Midtown and um, and having a large organization, we've taken care of a lot of COVID patients. But um, we, listen, we've taken a lot of care of a lot of COVID patients at Piedmont Northside. 
Yep. I mean, we, we they, you know, it's a 100-bed hospital. Um, and at one point in time, a third of their census, a little bit more than a third of their census was was COVID patients. So, you know, in St. Francis, same way, you know, I, 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 every healthcare organization, the first responders, I mean, you know, can't say enough about the healthcare as a whole, every aspect of it, right? The people that bring, you know, everybody from a first responder perspective, all the way through the spectrum to post acute, right? And home health and rehab hospitals and everyone has the people that bring the oxygen. Absolutely. Everyone, all the supporting cast, all the people we, you know, we have the answer, what we call, you know, ancillary support services. We have clinical support services. Everyone has responded citywide, communitywide. And, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm a big cheerleader for, for healthcare workers. I, you, you, you know, I don't hide that. Um, and, and to me, it doesn't matter what badge you wear, um, everybody working inside of healthcare and, and to support healthcare, um, needs to be patted on the back right now at every hospital, at every organization. Here we are on the doorstep of 2022. What keeps you awake at night? A lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) Who's going to be Auburn's quarterback? Dude, I, I, yeah, right. <laughs> who's who's going to be Auburn's quarterback next year? No. Um, uh, in, in all seriousness, because it it's a serious question. Yeah, it I is. Mean, I, I think the unknowns right now, right, going into 2022, the unknowns with Omicron um, are, are – and how that's going to affect our staff. I mean, you know, we're, we're very fortunate um, health system in that, you know, if we need to go out and, and buy more beds or create a space to treat patients or something, we're, we're fortunate that we can do that. We, we, we financially can do those things. But at the end of the day, um, it's, it, it, the, it's always the people. Chuck, I mean, I've said for years as a hospital leader, it's the people that, that make all the machines work. That, 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 that come to work every day inside of the bricks and mortar that use all the fancy equipment. You can have all those things, but if you don't have people, you don't, you can't, you, you can't do anything. And so what keeps me up at night is the, the, as, as each, you know, variant comes through, how's it going to affect our people and, and what can we do to ease that burden? You're in a unique position having as a young CEO dealt with the, the Virginia Tech shooting, mm-hmm. you're now seeing young people that are in their 20s and 30s dealing with COVID. They're dealing with what we hope is a once-in-a-career situation. They're dealing with it young. Would you rather deal with this at the beginning of your career or in the early stages of your career, or would you rather have deal with this at the tail end of your career? I'd rather deal with it not at all. Um, yeah, right? yeah, and I, I'm not. I know that's. Yeah. A, I know that's me trying to escape the question, right? But, yeah. Um, at the end of the day, what I'll tell you is, um, I, I don't know. I don't know when I would rather deal with it. I think that if you're if you're young in your career, um, you know, or early in your career, regardless of your age, you know, we've got folks that have gone back to school to become nurses, and you know, at at 40 years of yeah. age, 50 years of age, if you're younger, or you're you know. At in the beginning parts of your career, I would say you're learning a lot. You're learning a lot right now about a lot of things. Okay. Do you so, need a blend then of that youthful energy or that new energy and with the experience, the gray hair brings? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Those two married. We have, we have baby boomers that are that are begin, that have that have aged out and are aging out of the healthcare workforce. We've got I don't even know what the, all the generations are Gen Xers and and Millennials and and what I, what's the current generation coming out I don't mm-hmm. I don't know You'd what have to tell me I, it's a, <laughs> some somebody would have to school me on that But it it takes everyone right And everybody has different perspectives And and when you look at the generational differences inside of the healthcare workforce There's conflict in that it, and and some of it is good because. You know, everybody's trying to make each other be better, right? But there's also, you know, a, a, it within that too, the, the the concept of, well, I've been here, you know, and you got to pay your dues and, you know, you're in the beginning part of your career. Um, and I will tell you, I think the generation now is kind of like, I don't, I don't believe that stuff. Oh, they're, Just they're, let me get to work and, and let me do what I need to do. And um, I, I respect, you know, I try really hard to respect the differences in, in all of our generations because to the point of your question, it takes everyone and we need the the nurse that's been out of school for a month as much as we need the nurse that's been working for us for 45 years we need them all you know we're going to wrap this up pretty quick but you know i want to talk to you one question then i'm gonna i'm gonna do something to you i didn't tell you i was gonna do it to you so it'll be interesting to see how you handle that but if you could pull everybody that works for you and this whole 3,000 people into one space, put them in the civic center. What's the first thing you tell them? And what do you tell them about what, about next year? If you had to, if you had to talk to everybody on your staff right now, from, from the, the custodian to the, to the, to the charge nurse, to the accountant. Yeah. Well, the first thing I say is thank you. Right. Um, because the last almost two years have been just unprecedented and, and it's taken everybody and everybody has come together. And, and then the next thing I would say is there's a lot we don't know, um, but we'll get wet, we'll get through it. We'll weather it together because that's what we do. That is what we do every single day. I mean, I, I, I had, you know, um, someone close to me recently um, have a, a, an incident from a trauma perspective and um, they called me and were like, you know, Hey, um, can you check? Can you check, please? This is, I don't think this situation is good. And, and, and I said on the phone to that person, I said, this is what we do, right? So yes, I will check and I will make sure everything's, you know, going as as well as it can go, but this is what we do. And that's what I would say to our staff. This is what we do. And, and we're going to do it and we're going to do it well. And we're going to give everything we got because our patients deserve that. Our patients need that. And then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do, We'll figure the rest out later, right? But you got to take care of people first. You got you got to take care of people first and do what you do and do it really well. What do you say to that nurse who's been fighting this battle since March of 2020, and they walk into your office and they, and this is a hypothetical, but walk in and say, Scott, I can't do it anymore. I'm yeah. done. I'm done. This is too emotionally draining. It's impacting my health. It's impacting my family. What do you say to that person who's dealing with it and has dealt with it, but they're about to the end of the rope? Hang in there. Um, you know, I, I definitely and and would desperately want that person to to take some time off um, and and see if uh, that would help, because uh, there are a lot of people who feel that way. And and what I would tell you is I I, I have a deep respect for it and 
Um, I know there are a lot of people feeling that way right now. And, and the best thing we can do is, you know, understand that it's real and, and that we have to figure out a way to help people through those moments and lift them up and, and do our best to, you know, you know, help them through the decision-making process. But for someone who's been at it a long time and who's at the, you know, maybe the end of their career and they're like, I just, I can't do it anymore. I mean, I, I don't, I have to, you have to respect everybody's decisions. Right. And so we, we, we do that and would always do that. Um, but, but definitely don't, um, don't ever want to have an employee feel like they, 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 you know, have to stay. I have to go to work. I mean, you know, we, we, we do have to go to work, but we want people to want to come to work. You're what, 50 years old? 52. 52. I'm 61. We kind of came up, me more so than you, but the suck it up buttercup management style. Sure. You can't do the suck it up buttercup management style anymore, can you? It, it doesn't work across the board. Uh, it, it, you know, it really doesn't. I think that um, listening is the biggest part of leadership. And, um, yeah, we did come up through the pay your dues, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and, and get moving and, and, and hard work. And, and, and all that stuff's true. All that stuff's true. I, I'm glad that that's the way I came up. But um, the reality is, is that with, work, with, with our workforce, listening is the most important part. And listening to hear what they have to say, not listening to respond, but listening just to really hear, listen, but listen to what they have to say, not not so you can generate a response. Uh, I've, I've had some I've, I've, you know, had conversation with my senior leadership team um, last week where we just sat down and had lunch together and just kind of said, where are we at? How are we feeling? And, and, and it wasn't, it wasn't anything more than a listening session for everybody to kind of say, here's where I'm at and here's what I'm struggling with. And this has been hard and here's how, and we've encouraged all of our leaders system-wide, um, not just locally, but system-wide to have those types of conversations with their teams to, to listen and hear what they have to say so that when you, when it's time to respond and it doesn't need to be in the moment you'll respond in the right way, which is figuring out a way to help them be able to do their job in an efficient, safe manner and and provide great care. Uh, you know, all of our people who work for us want to provide great care. It comes back to what you were saying earlier. You can have all the equipment and tools, but it comes down to the people. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line, this no whole doubt. thing. No doubt. It's always about the people. And it doesn't, and it, it, you know, it, it's not just health care. It's every industry. It's always about the people. Go into a restaurant right now and see how many of your favorite waiters and waitresses aren't there. Yeah. I mean, you know, we got to, that, that, that interrelationship between humans right now is, is a very important thing. And we have to figure, we have to know that that, that plays out in every aspect of our society. And, and we got to be really careful about that, I think. Well, we're getting to the end of this thing, and I'm going to do what I've done with every guest. And we're you're about the 40th. You're getting close to 40 guests. So I should have listened to your podcast before now. Is you that should what you're have. Telling me? I, I okay. mean, and I hope I hope your uh, your uh, your public relations department, your public affairs folks, will share this one so people can hear you because this has been a really good conversation. You've been very forthright. Um, but we call turn call I call it turn the tables. Mm -hmm. I've been asking you questions. I've been asking you questions for nine years. First time we met was in a coffee shop at the Iron, Iron Bank. 
years ago. It's like you wanted to see who this nosy reporter was, and I wanted to see who this <laughs> this green CEO of the largest healthcare system was. I wasn't green when I came here, by the way. You, you, you look green you, to you me. You missed that opportunity, buddy. I'm gonna tell you you look right green now. to me. Well, yeah. I didn't know you had just come out of what you'd come out of, but yeah, and you weren't green. You're, you're absolutely not. Um, but you know me. Well, it's been an amazing nine years here. I can tell you that we've been through a lot as an organization and. You know, our staff's just a bunch of rock stars. I mean, you sold the hospital. Sold it. Well, you transferred it from uh, Columbus. No, we didn't sell it. Chuck, well, you know, we're going to go there again. I've, how many times have I had to explain a merger <laughs> to you? We merged into Piedmont. Yes, they they are the name at the top of the building, but they did not write a check for our hospital. So People back home are starting to see how how this relationship has worked for nine years. I, you know, um, so I get to ask you a question. That's, you get to that's ask where me we're a, at. Yeah, okay. that's where we're at. Well, let me ask you this: and after nine years of us talking mostly healthcare, we talk a little bit of Auburn sports too. Yeah, but, a little bit. Um, we talk about other stuff, but um, after nine years of of seeing what you've seen in healthcare in in this community. Tell me what you've learned. The the what's been the biggest lesson learned for you? I'm gonna flip the question on you after I answer it. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna flip it on you. Because That's not how this segment works. <laughs> <laughs> the director Dylan Hansen sitting over here going, "Man, finally somebody's fighting back against him." I'm glad, but no, I think. Healthcare has evolved. Nine years ago, you had two hospitals that were both, you had St. Francis and Columbus Regional. They both were controlled by local boards. They were essentially locally owned. Mm-hmm. Sure. Today, neither one of them are. They're controlled. Piedmont and then St. Francis is controlled by LifePoint, right. and then which is a for-profit. Y'all stayed in the non-profit we lane. We did. Lane. St. Francis did not. Although St. Francis has a care arrangement with Emory and uh, that that also has brought that expertise. I think we were siloed here nine years ago because we were locally owned. And I'm sure there are people that were on those boards that, you know, inv- were involved in the decisions and, you know, you know, y'all's was a very deliberate path that Warren still guided for many many months this three-year journey yeah and i mean it was a and y'all were incredibly open about it you know saint francis's happened with some financial difficulties and it was a much quicker much more whiplash mm-hmm. deal but that said with both of them i think we're fortunate i think we've got quality health care here i think we still do i mean i was in I your, agree yeah. i was in your er for six and a half hours um, on Thursday night, and I got to see a lot of what your guys do. I have friends that work for you, friends that work for St. Francis. I hear people talk about you know, what they're dealing with. I think one of the differences now, I think we have an incredibly stressed workforce that are caring for us right now. I think every, fair. everybody at both hospitals, even some of the doctor's offices now, you know, they're they're tired. They want to see this. You know, we're a society that is not used to long hauls. I mean, you know, our grandparents went to Europe and fought a war. 
you know, we have people here who have trouble going to get a shot. Mm-hmm, I mean, you yeah. know, and, and I know that's probably the closest you'll hear me say political, but I mean, you know, we're not asking people to get on a boat and get off in Nor- on the shores of Normandy. We're asking people to get a shot, and it clearly works. And I don't know if I answered your question. I think I, you soft-pedaled it, but that's okay. <laughs> I usually say that to you, man. No, I, I, I will tell you what I would say, Chuck. Looking back over the last nine years and what's happened to healthcare in Columbus, this is just mine. This is Scott's opinion okay. of what I've learned being here for nine years is is re- resilient. Look at the look at the workforces of these organizations and the tremendous amount of change they've had to go through. And they're all still standing, and they're still fighting through a pandemic and doing it the right way and, and trying their best to take care of people every single day. And it's just that, that resiliency, even even over the long haul, right, yep. it's still there. It's still there, and that's what healthcare workers do. They're called to it. They're resilient. They wake up every day, and they go to work, and they fight the fight. And, and we as a community should be really glad and, and grateful for that. Well, and – the workers that fight have to have support on the back end, and that's where administrators like you and Melody Trimble at St. Francis, and that where people come in, that, that you've got, they've got to have support. They've got to know, even in the business I'm in, if you don't have the support of your leaders, you're you're not going to do very well. It's not going to be a good place to be. Well, leaders serve those in the organization. That's that's the that is the reality of it, and so. You have to do it. You have to take care of your folks. And and that's, uh, you know, you have to do what you do first, which is take care of patients. But, you know, there's a real close second there, and it's your people because they're the ones that are there at the bedside doing it. and Or either if they're not at the bedside, they're there supporting it somehow or another. Well, I just want to close this, this podcast. I want to thank you for being here. But I want to thank everybody that works in healthcare in our community across the country, but particularly here in Columbus, the people that work at Piedmont Columbus Regional, St. Francis Emory Healthcare, people that work in these doctor's offices, they really are heroes. At the end of the day, they're heroes. And, you know, the people that, you know, I can't imagine what the people that have been been doing bedside care for the last 20 months have been going through and, you know, I just I hope and pray that 2022 brings a little relief, a lot of relief. Uh, yeah, I do too. I I, I, I echo those comments, Chuck. I, I I I echo everything you just said. Thank you to everybody who's out there, just trying to do the right thing and, and working really hard and and just uh, taking care of folks. It matters. It matters. It definitely matters. Our guest has been Scott Hill. Scott is the CEO of Piedmont Columbus Regional and the CEO of the P- the 16 Hospital Piedmont Healthcare System. No, I'm not that CEO of that. CEO, COO, COO. Oh, man, I just promoted you, Scott. That was the best hour you've had in a long time. Uh, this is the time I have to tell, tell you. See, I get so nervous on ending the show. I can do everything, but I screw up the ending every time. I like the pretty good ending, actually. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, you can listen to the Chuck Williams Show uh, Tuesday nights from 7 to 8 on WRBL.com. You can also get it where you get your regular podcast on uh, iHeart, Spotify, and what's the other one? Apple. 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 Yeah, who for, yeah, Apple. What's that? It's only um, the largest <laughs> technology company in the world, Chuck. <laughs> And you can follow me on social media. You don't strike me as a social media kind of guy, but I'm on Twitter at Chuck Williams. I'm on Facebook, Chuck Williams WRBL. And I'm also on Instagram, Chuck Williams 0999. 
You've been listening to another episode of the Chuck Williams Show. We've got one more, hopefully, before the end. No, this is, is this it? No, we got one more before the end of the year. I think we got one more. Are you taking next week, next week off? I'm going to try to get a guest. Uh, you and I got to talk about that. <laughs> All right. Dylan. Uh, but you've been listening to the Chuck Williams Show, and we will be back here. Next week, next year, we're coming back. I just don't know when. We'll figure it all out later. Thanks for listening.